We're back. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Saturday Six Podcast. You're here with co-host AJ, my brother Tyler. What's going on, man? What's up, my guy? Not a whole lot, man. Trying to uh, get another podcast out there to the folks, recap some of uh, our picks last week, touch on some really interesting games, uh, some conference matchups finally uh, going down this week. So uh, some interesting ones to talk about and uh, just excited to get back uh, on the pod with you. Yeah, I've been dreading this recap a little bit. Not a great week for me. Uh, I'm going to blame it on the amount of IPAs I had before we were before we recorded this last podcast. Yeah. Um, but I got to take that one on the chin and move on. We got a got a new week full of a, a lot of good games. So I'm going to try to turn this ship around a little bit. Yeah, man. Last week, uh, three and three for me against our uh, for, for our picks against the spread and then a one and five record for you. So uh, we're both actually sitting at 11 and 13 against the spread now on the year. So um Got some catching up to do, That's but tough. as we're uh, as we're learning more about these teams, I feel like it might get a little bit easier. Hopefully, um, we can get this thing above five hundred, uh, maybe starting this week. So, um, but first, let's recap last week. Some amazing games going down. We had some conference action finally. Um, let's start with the first game we touched on last week. It was our number one ranked Georgia Bulldogs three and zero to start the season. They were on the road against the South Carolina Gamecocks, who started the season one and two. And Georgia came in as a big favorite, favored by 24 and a half. I took them to cover. You thought South Carolina would keep it closer, um, but you expected a dog's win. And it was all dogs all day long. Final score, 48 to seven. Georgia gives up their first touchdown of the season, albeit with uh, second, maybe third string defenders in the game. But nonetheless, a thorough whipping Georgia moves to three and zero. What was your biggest takeaway? Dude, it's just absolute throttling by Georgia. I don't think many people expected such a big uh, routing by this Georgia team, but this could be the best Georgia team that we've seen in a long time. That's obviously saying a lot as they won the national championship last year behind uh, such an elite defense. But this defense is doing the exact same thing that they did last year. Yes, maybe they're not getting as much quarterback pressures, but I'd like to contribute that a little bit more to opponent game planning, wanting to get the ball out a lot quicker, see a lot more screen slants, just things where uh, quarterbacks don't have to hold the ball in their hand too long in the pocket before it collapses. But this Georgia offense, dude, I mean, it is dynamic, and they are a lot more pass-heavy than normal. And it's paying off huge dividends as they're outscoring opponents uh, at a record pace for, for Georgia, at least. And you got to love to see it, dude. I, I don't see uh, really a, a hiccup on their schedule as of right now if they continue playing the way that they are. No, I have to agree with you. I uh, came away really impressed with the offense, uh, offensive coordinator Todd Munkin. I think he's established himself as one of the best play callers in college football. Uh, he was dialing it up early. I mean, with the motion that he gets involved and uh, working two backs into the backfield and two, uh, two three tight ends in the game at, at some times. Uh, you just, it was very often on Saturday that you saw guys wide open with nothing but green grass in front of them. And Brock Bowers was on the receiving end of a lot of that 
five catches, 121 yards, three total touchdowns. He had one on the ground as well. Um, Bowers is just simply one of the best playmakers in college football right now. Stetson Bennett for Heisman. Uh, you touched on Todd Malkin is doing uh, really great things with this offense. It, it's just a matter of time before somebody gives him his own team. Don't you agree? Yeah, I think so. I think Georgia um, would be wise to just shell out as many pennies as they can to, to keep him around because uh, elite offensive play callers are kind of hard to come by. So when you find one that uh, really puts your team over the top, uh, Munkin's been able to do that. Uh, this, this team is averaging more than two touchdowns more than uh, before Munkin got there on offense. So um, you touched on Stetson Bennett. I, I love my uh, my bet that I put down in July when he was uh, plus 12,500 to win the Heisman. Just put a little on that. So hopefully <laughs> that comes off. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll go on vacation if so. But um, Malachi Starks, the freshman safety, another interception is second on the year. The defense, like you said, it looks maybe a step below last year's, but I think that's just because they're lacking in the experience department, whereas last year you had a lot of seniors, you had a lot of guys that have been around for a while. I think this uh, this year's defense, a little less experienced, but just as talented. So uh, I, tough day for Spencer Rattler, two interceptions, but uh, you touched on it, not a ton going on around him. Their offensive line uh, was not doing well either to, to, to keep him upright, so – um yeah just a thorough whipping by georgia both teams play cupcakes next week so uh we should see them both get wins next week but uh you know south carolina walks out of there licking their wounds a little bit after a, a beatdown from the dogs i still don't think they're that bad of a team honestly no i and, I, I think south know, carolina could make a bowl game i i didn't think oregon's that bad of a team and they're proving not to be we'll touch on them a little bit later on um but it's hard to not look like a bad team when you're playing such a great team, but don't discount the South Carolina team as a six, seven win football team this year. I agree. Definitely. Uh, next game that we touched on last week was the ranked Penn state Nittany Lions three and O going on the road to the Auburn Tigers. Uh, big game in Jordan hair there. Auburn was two and one going into this game. And Penn State, as a road team, was actually favored by a field goal. I took Penn State to cover that spread. You liked Auburn in this one. And another whipping from start to finish. Auburn hung around for about a quarter, quarter and a half maybe. And then it just seemed that they could not stop Penn State's rushing attack. Um, Sean Clifford didn't have to do much. He just sort of managed, managed the game while freshman running back Nick Singleton. You touched on him last week. He's a stud, man. Only 10 carries, but 124 yards and a touchdown on the ground. Penn State looked dominant, and Auburn is in trouble. I don't even think it was Auburn that stuck around for a quarter. I think it's Penn State that stuck around for a quarter. Uh, I guess kind of trying to feel out the pace of the game and uh, uh, get used to the away crowd environment. Auburn just couldn't get anything started. I mean, they, they couldn't get their run game going like they want with Tank Bigsby, which, you know, is probably an All-American style running back. Uh, he's, he's definitely got the ability to be that. And, I mean, I touched on it. T.J. Finley's not the guy. They don't have the guy right now, if you ask me. Uh, if they did, they'd go to him over T.J. Finley at this point. 
Uh, can't get anything going through the air either. It was a, it was a tough week for Auburn fans. No toilet paper in the trees uh, in Auburn. Yeah, they need the toilet paper to wipe their skids off of the road. Uh, the uh, Penn State was just the more physical team. They had five rushing touchdowns. They were able to run it at will against Auburn. Uh, you touched on the quarterback, TJ Finley. You know, we saw some spurts of uh, Robbie Ashford there at the end of the game in the third and fourth quarter. Um, so maybe they look in a different direction next week. But um, still, like I said, this is going to get tough for Auburn. It only gets worse from here. You still have uh, Missouri, which this week, I, even with as bad as Auburn is, they should be able to handle Missouri. That's one of the worst teams in the SEC. But then you have LSU, Georgia, the rest of the SEC West, Ole Miss, Arkansas, Mississippi State, Texas A&M, Bama. I mean, there's a very real scenario here where Auburn finishes the year with four maybe five wins so that's tough um and they'll, they'll likely be moving on from their head coach before too long so uh keep an eye out for that as well but let's move on let's go out west the number 12 byu cougars two and one going into this game at oregon who's also two and one big loss against georgia in week one but since then oregon's bounced back man they were favored by three and a half in this game end up winning by three touchdowns the Ducks cover easily 41 to 20 is the final score. And after a lot of people wrote Oregon off after Georgia knocked them around, I think we have learned more about who Georgia is from that game and less about Oregon. Cause like we said, I, I still think Oregon is easily a top 25 team. I think they're up to 15 now this week in the AP poll. So um, time for some people to start hopping back on the bandwagon train of the Oregon Ducks. Yeah, I just didn't expect this. Obviously, you have a defensive-minded head coach. Uh, he was defensive coordinator last year. And I just didn't really expect them to to be able to put up as many points as they did, which his hats off. Bo Nix looks a lot better than he was, uh, at least through the first couple games. And Oregon's finally, you know, getting their feet back under them. And they're scoring big. And it's uh, – it's an optimistic outlook for them right now. It was a it was a solid win for them. You touched on it. It's really hard for teams to to go out west and play these uh, west schools for whatever reason. It's an anomaly of me, but uh, nonetheless, they advanced to two and one on the season, and they're they're going to be looking for their fourth or excuse me their third win this week. Yeah, I, like you said, I was a little more impressed with Bo Nix. Uh, five total touchdowns, three of them actually on the ground, so proving that he's a little bit of a running threat as well, 50-yard touchdown bomb. Um, they have Washington State this week, who is actually undefeated, and the Cougars are not a bad team, so uh, we'll touch on that one actually later in the podcast. Looking forward to watching that game this weekend. BYU just had no run game. Quarterback Jaron Hall did all he could to keep him in it, 300 yards, two touchdowns, but in the end, not enough Oregon with a big win over a ranked opponent, and they see themselves moving up a little bit in this week's poll. So um, let's move on, though. Let's head back to the SEC. Let's do Mississippi State at LSU. You had the Bulldogs of Mississippi State favored by two and a half on the road in Baton Rouge, and we were both on the side of the Bulldogs. We thought this was the spot where they kind of proved themselves to be a contender in the, in the SEC West. And it turns out they just didn't have the firepower, man. LSU ends up winning that game, covering 
winning it outright. Final score there is 31 to 16. So um, after Mississippi State led early, LSU just kind of dominated that second half. Quarterback Jaden Daniels played a lot better in this game than we uh, have seen him play previously. Yeah, absolutely. LSU was down 13 at one point in this game, which isn't the most out-of-reach comeback that we've ever heard of, but um, nevertheless impressive. Will Rogers uh, only completed about half of his passes, one touchdown, one interception. And that that defense of LSU actually stepped up and you know contained him, made him look like a very average quarterback, which is is what you need. Um, LSU's quarterback, though, Jane Daniels, didn't really do too much more. Uh, pretty much similar stat line, a little bit better completion percentage, but also attempted uh, to throw the ball a little bit less. He also led their team in rushing yards, which I'm I'm going to harp on this only to be a little bit non-biased because we harped on it with Florida. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share the love and, you know, Talk to LSU about this, too. You can't have your running back just being the leader of your of your rushing offense. Your quarterback. And yeah. quarterback, excuse yeah. me. You want your running back to be the leader of your rushing offense. That's yeah. what he's there for. Yeah. But you, your, your quarterback, I mean, 16 carries. I understand some of those are broken plays and the pocket collapses, and you got to do what you got to do to get, you know, a couple yards on the play and not take a sack. Uh, or just throw the ball away in general. But uh, LSU, you got to do better. You don't want to be Florida. You, you don't want to look like Florida with uh, the quarterback being the only guy that can run the ball. So I really want to see them, you know, uh, get to a couple more guys. You got um, you got Goodwin. You got Emory Jr. They only combined for 20 attempts and 100 yards on the game. That's tough, man. Yeah, I agree. John Emory Jr. came in with a lot of hype out of high school. I still haven't seen anything out of him um, that looks uh, really special. But uh, they have a chance to uh, to turn it around. A tough schedule for both these teams going forward. LSU obviously plays the rest of the SEC West. We know that's tough. They also get Tennessee and Florida from the East. And then Mississippi State, they obviously play the rest of the West. And they get Kentucky and Georgia from the East. So not an easy slate for either of these teams going forward. Uh, it'll definitely take some work to uh, end the season uh, above 500, you know, trying to make a bowl game. So um, we'll uh, we'll look forward to kind of seeing how these teams work out the rest of the season. But um, let's move on. Michigan State, the number 11 team in the country last week. They were on the road against the Washington Huskies who were actually favored by three and a half, and a lot of people were confused by that spread. Um, I think this one was one that we were back and forth on. I uh, I took, ended up taking Washington with a coin flip in this game because I, I really thought this one was a toss-up. And, uh, you know, Washington, it's an 11-point win, 39-28, to 28, but they looked really dominant throughout. The big storyline for me out of this one, Quarterback Michael Penix Jr. We touched on him briefly. Hell of a game, man. Almost 400 yards passing, four touchdowns. He dominated, and he looks like he could potentially have Washington in a position to compete in the Pac-12. Yeah, Michael Penix Jr. played out of his mind, dude. And this score does not do uh, 
it doesn't do the game justice, in my opinion. Washington completely handled Michigan State. They dominated this game uh, uh, from beginning to end, in my opinion. I touched on Jalen Berger in the last podcast. I expected a really big game out of him. And Washington had every answer for them. They gave this guy 13 carries, and he could only make 27 yards out of it, averaging about two yards a carry. Yeah. His longest was only for eight yards at a time. Um, but I will say they, they had to go away from their rushing game in order to play catch-up for pretty much the whole game. And they almost did it. They only lost by 11 points. It's not a huge margin. Uh, it's enough to, to cover. But uh, Washington State, dude, they – they handled this game through and through. Uh, it the score just doesn't do it justice. No, I agree. It, it was it was thorough, and we thought Michigan State with uh, Mel Tucker would be uh, a good team defensively, and their defense just looked suspect. Penix picked them apart. The wide receiver Polk had six catches, hundred and fifty three yards, and three out of those four touchdowns. Peyton Thorne looked okay for Michigan State a lot of yards and garbage time there but tough upcoming schedule for the Michigan State Spartans so um, it's going to be a battle to uh, to kind of work themselves back into contention but the Huskies look very strong in the Pac-12 now and definitely a contender so be interesting to watch them going forward Um, then our last game this one had a lot of intrigue around it around it for a few reasons obviously you have Texas A&M big upset against App State then they get to host Miami. So a chance to really kind of um, flip the script or have things really start heading south quickly. Um, Miami's a good team coming into this. They're ranked number 12. And uh, Texas A&M favored by five and a half. Their defense won them the, their, this game to me. The final score is 17 to nine. Miami can only muster a few field goals in this game. And, um, you know, with Texas A&M getting back on the right track, it was uh, – much needed for Jimbo Fisher and crew. Yeah, I finally get to talk a little bit more on this. This is actually the game that I picked correctly out of all six, uh, going one and five on the week. Um, and this is one thing that I did not see happening, but they did release it uh, about a day before the game. Texas A&M switched their quarterback from Haynes King, who uh, your take was that he absolutely sucked. Last week, uh, and they do go for, for well, Max he had, Johnson. He had zero yards passing last week, so he still continues he, to suck. He did. I mean, <laughs> I mean, he he does he does suck for sure. And uh, Texas A&M finally figured that out and goes to uh, the Max Johnson, who they picked up in the transfer portal from LSU. Yep. Um, yeah, it was just a very defensive game. It was it was close for for quite a while. I just think that. Texas A&M's defense, and Tyler Van Dyke had a good game. Doesn't end up scoring, but it does go over 200 yards. Um, they were able, Miami was able to get a little bit done in the run game. Uh, and then uh, uh, let me get this first name right because I don't want to butcher it because his last name is pretty cool. Devon A-Chain for Texas A&M, dude. Yep. That guy's nice. I mean, yeah. he's nice. Solid running back. He goes for 88 yards, no touchdowns, um, but he looked really good. I think they they fed him uh, out of the backfield. I think he, he caught caught a couple balls there too. Yeah, uh, four set four receptions for like 40 yards, something like that. Yeah, um, it, it's it's what I call, dude. Texas A&M needed that comeback win. 
uh, just to stay relevant. And uh, Jimbo Fisher, had, I guarantee you, all, all week during practice, dude, he was posting everything he could about App State. Um, and, you know, is this the decline for Miami like I was talking about, though? I don't think so. I, I think I was just a little bit too early on that prediction. Yes, it's a loss, but they still look good. They can still contend in the ACC. They've got a favorable schedule. Uh, I think it, it might be a couple more weeks before we see that uh, eventual decline that we always see in Miami. Yeah, I thought uh, you touched on Tyler Van Dyke. Like you said, he played okay. I, you know, it looked to me like he didn't have a ton of help. Um, there wasn't a lot of playmakers around him making plays. Miami ends up missing a field goal. They have one blocked. Um, they went for a field goal in a, a couple of areas where I thought they probably should have gone for a touchdown. Um, you know, gone for it on fourth down with the way the game that was playing out. Um, the, my biggest takeaway is from this is I'm still not impressed by Texas A&M's offense, whether no. that's with Max Johnson or whoever. Um, but their defense looks legit. Their defense has not been the issue this year. Um, they have lots of playmakers, lots of highly rated guys on that side of the ball. It's just it's really going to come down to if they can figure any kind of offense out with Max Johnson, because um, still uh, only 17 points against Miami. But, um, yeah, de definitely a much needed win. So uh, glad to see Jimbo Fisher and crew able to pull that one out. Max Johnson's a guy that should be able to get it done. He has experience going through the gauntlet that an SEC schedule is. Uh, obviously, he's not the winningest quarterback in LSU history coming after Joe Burrow, um, but he does know what it takes to uh, be successful and run through that the meat of your schedule being in the SEC. So look for him. Now that he's most likely going to be getting all the first-team reps in practice, at least you would hope that he is. Um, I'm, I'll, I'll look to see some improvement. I think that they can uh, use this game as a foundation to build upon for uh, this week. They got a, a really big game with Arkansas coming into, into town. Yeah, that's going to be a huge game. We'll actually touch on that here in just a minute. Um, so, like I said, three and three for me last week against the spread, one and five for Tyler. We will look to bounce back in a pretty decent slate of games coming up. Six of these we've picked, just like usual. We're going to give you our Saturday six and um, hopefully end up on the right side of some of these spreads. Let's start with a really big matchup in the ACC. you got number five, Clemson, 3-0 and to start the year, on the road against the number 21-ranked Wake Forest Demon Deacons, 3-0 and to start their year. Clemson's favored by just seven on the road. Noon kickoff on ABC. Is that spread too low, or do you think Wake Forest uh, might be able to hang in this one? Yeah, it's interesting. I don't know how hot of a take this is if you've been following Clemson closely. I'm going to call it one. Clemson quarterback DJ Uyangale, and I believe I pronounced that correctly, is not getting it done, dude. It, at least for me. From what I see, he's not getting it done. Um, I'd love to be able to, to talk to our uh, Clemson quarterback expert Tucker Israel a little bit more on this but maybe not this game but I do expect an eventual switch in quarterback for Clemson which is not something that Dabo Sweeney is uh, historically likely to do but I like to see for freshman Kate Klubnik go in there 
Um, I want to see what he could do. He looks like he's probably their better option at this point. Um, Clemson's been relying pretty heavy on their uh, run game right now. Uh, just not really getting it done through the air. Uh, this game is a uh, 56 over under, and, and it's really the first test for Clemson too. Um, Wake Forest, though, dude, it's tough. I mean, they barely beat Liberty last week. Yeah, 37 to 36, dude. Yeah. They barely beat out, uh, and and this is a Liberty without Malik Willis. Okay, this right. <laughs> this is not the same Liberty that we saw last year. That was actually pretty darn good by all accounts. I think it's uh this spread is actually right where I would want it to be right now. And uh I'm gonna have to take Clemson. I do think that they I think they can score a touchdown and win. Um or a little bit more. I guess a touchdown would be a push. I'm gonna take Clemson minus seven, but I'm not feeling fantastic about it either. Yeah, this one is right there on the edge for me. I I could see a scenario where Wake is able to keep this one close, especially if um, Clemson is having some um, some trouble scoring. Uh, we've seen how that defense is elite, man, but that offense, like you said, is just not getting it done. I think that switch at quarterback is coming sooner, sooner rather than later. The only thing is it's like they kind of have to lose a game for him to get replaced, I feel like. If they just somehow keep pulling out wins – and, you know, and DJ is the one leading that charge. I think it's going to be hard for him to get pulled. But I think it's likely to come soon. Clemson, as much as we've talked about their offense being deficient, they have scored a decent amount, um, averaging 41 points through the first three games. Clemson won this game last year. That was at home, obviously, final score 48 to 27. Um, but like you said, Wake Forest took a failed two-point conversion last week against Liberty. Um to, to barely pull that one off. But uh, quarterback Sam Hartman's been back for a couple of weeks now. I think uh, that definitely helps, you know, to just kind of get his rhythm back. Um, we've seen him be dangerous before. Um, but Clemson has just got too much on defense for me. I think I'm going to roll with them to cover this seven as well. I'm not super excited about that. I definitely see a scenario where Wake Forest is able to hang in this game. But if they can maybe force some turnovers um, – you know, Barrett Carter, K.J. Henry, there's just studs all over that Clemson defense. So if, if they're able to uh, to create some havoc to get in the Wake Forest backfield and kind of affect Sam Hartman, I think it could be a long day for the Demon Deacons. So it's either it's either a Clemson blowout or a, or a close Clemson win. But I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hate myself more if I take Wake Forest and then Clemson blows them out versus if I take Clemson and then Wake Forest keeps it closer. So I'm rolling with the Tigers as well. Right. I think Clemson's defense just makes it too hard on uh, Wake Forest to score points. No, I agree. Let's touch on another one. Let's go number 17, Baylor. They're 2-1 and one to start the year. Um, at Iowa State, who is undefeated, the Cyclones 3-0 and oh on the season, playing at home as two-and-a-half-point favorites. Noon kickoff on ESPN2. Last year, Baylor won this game 31-29. to 29. They're the higher-ranked team. But Iowa State's got some momentum, man. This is a sneaky good game in the Big 12. Yeah, I don't really look too much into the uh, to the team's records. Or if you actually want to look closer, Baylor had a tough loss in double overtime to BYU. Uh, but that was a very close game. It's a good BYU team. And Iowa State, 
they've only been tested one time with in-state rival Iowa, and they won that game 10-7. to So, you know, Iowa not being 2-1 and one and Baylor not being 3-0 and uh, is only by a couple points. So I don't want to look too big into uh, their records right now. Iowa has a really good quarterback and wide receiver duo in quarterback Hunter Deckers and wide receiver Xavier Hutchinson. I expect those guys to be connecting uh, all over the field this week. It should be very impressive. But Iowa State looks good. I mean, they, they've got the defense to hold Baylor if, if they need to. This is going to be a game where you got to limit the turnovers. you got to limit the mistakes. Don't shoot yourself in the foot. Don't put yourself in a worse situation than you have to. Uh, I feel like this season I've seen so many teams going forward on fourth down in their own territory. That's not one of these games for either one of these teams. you got to be smart with the ball. Um, and if you do, uh, this is another close one where I kind of like Iowa State at home. Uh, oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the Baylor Bears. Like I said, I like that quarterback wide receiver duo. Uh, Baylor's scoring 44 points per game. Iowa State is right there around 32. Um, but Iowa State's also allowing way less points per game, uh, nine to 14, uh, in favor of Iowa over Baylor at that point. Um, so Iowa State's defense keeps it in keeps them in it, and uh, it could just be one of those where last team that possesses the ball wins the game. I'm going to go with Baylor. Okay, interesting pick. I I think this is a low-scoring game. I think it's a rock fight. I think both teams are probably not touching 30. Um, so I think that favors the team that uh, is just, just better coached, uh, maybe more experienced. When you talk about the head coaches, you have – on the Baylor side, head coach Dave Aranda, um, formerly defensive coordinator at LSU, among a few other places. Iowa State head coach Matt Campbell has been there for seven or eight years now, very experienced. Baylor has a stud freshman running back. And if you don't know his yes. name, you might want to pay attention to him. They're kind Write of running this down. Yeah, they're kind of running back by committee um, so far this year, but huge performance last week, albeit against Texas State. I know. But 156 yards, three touchdowns for freshman Richard Reese. So uh, keep an eye out for Reese. If he can get loose a couple of times and, and turn this into, uh, into uh, um, I guess, a shorter game, um, if, if that Baylor offense is able to keep Iowa State's defense on the field, tire them out a little bit, I could see that going their way. Um, but I also like Hunter Deckers a lot. Xavier Hutchinson, I wrote his name down as well. Um, you know, obviously replacing Brock Purdy and Brees Hall. We know what they did for Iowa State, but um, I don't know. I'm feeling Cyclones in this one. This is a very close game for me as well. I could see 27 to 24, 27 to 23. I'm going to ride Cyclones and be different from you on this one, but I uh, don't have a great feeling either way. I, I see this one being close no matter what. All right, so let's move on. Let's move to the SEC. You have the number 20 ranked Florida Gators. On the road, number 11, Tennessee. They're 3-0. Florida's 2-1 after a, a tough loss last week against Kentucky. We, we touched on that one. Um, Tennessee 
Sorry, that wasn't last week. That was two weeks ago. I'm still recovering from that Florida loss. <laughs> Tennessee favored by 10 in this one. Um, 3.30 kickoff on CBS. All the lights. Should be fun. This one's really interesting for me because I thought this spread would be a little bit higher. Um, but then it's definitely come down. I, I, I've seen it all over the place in the last week. When we found it, it was at 10. It might be at 10 and a half now. Um, but Florida is in an interesting place here because, you know, after losing that game to Kentucky, they barely beat South Florida last week. Offense did not look great again. It's tough, man. I mean, that was just tough to watch. They needed some help there at the end to pull that off against the Bulls of South Florida, who has been, you know, one of the worst teams in college football the last few years. But um, I don't know. Like, the, the stars are all aligning for Tennessee for them to just absolutely blow Florida out. And for some reason, that makes me nervous. Usually when all the energy is on one side, like we saw last week with Miami and Texas A&M, everybody was – in on Miami um, and then it just market kind of corrects and things kind of come back to where we expect them to see. So um, what, what do you want to talk about for this matchup? Yeah, I think this is one of those games that Tennessee circles on their schedule at the beginning of the year when it comes out. Um, they play Alabama every year. Obviously they play Georgia uh, being in the SEC East. So I think they've been preparing for this game. I think it's a win that they definitely need as a program. Uh, to keep trending upward. And Florida, you suck. I mean, Mm. Florida's just bad, dude. Like, there's no other way to put it at this point. Like, they are just not good. This is not their season. I called it from the beginning. Although, yeah, they beat Utah, which I didn't see coming. Um, But Tennessee's a tough environment. Hopefully there's no uh, golf balls or – uh mustard bottles being thrown yeah this week billy uh, napier billy napier the head coach of florida looks like he's been hit by a few golf balls already oh yeah no doubt i expect this to be the the tennessee game where everyone uh kind of gets their questions answered about tennessee whether it's for the good or for the bad uh, uh there's going to be a lot of questions answered for tennessee i've got them scoring big i think that their offense is really freaking good this year uh, behind quarterback hendon hooker uh i don't i don't think uh florida stays in this for very long maybe a quarter maybe two um but at the end of this game i got tennessee i think the spread should be bigger man i see I, i'd be comfortable with a 14 point spread 13 and a half point spread really? uh so i'm gonna go with the volunteers in rocky top it's a tough place to play. I don't think Florida's um, really too big on, on themselves right now. It's not a Texas A&M where you're looking for this big comeback win to prove everyone wrong because I just feel like it's a very Florida thing to, to do to celebrate the Flor- the South Florida win, even though it was an embarrassing win at that. Yeah, I mean, you, you touched on a lot of good things there. I think – um, one, one stat that I found that's kind of interesting since 2005, Florida is 16 and one against Tennessee, 16 and one out of 17 of their last games, Tennessee has managed to win one of those. Um, so since their I, national championship since, uh, 2005. So the year before, 
um uh-huh. but but still i mean that's just that's that's a tough stretch man and uh obviously the gators have owned the volunteers lately in this series two interesting things for me that i want to look out for in this game the florida rushing attack versus the vols defense i think florida's rushing attack has got to come through if they have a chance in this game and it can't just be anthony richardson yeah we're not talking about you anthony richardson yeah I just well, I'm gonna be honest. I think he might be a little banged up. I, you know, I, I have no um, inside intel on that, but just the drastic change that we've seen from him week one and what he was able to do with his legs, he's not even really able to use his legs. At least they're not letting him. So maybe there's something bigger going on here because from game one to game two, three, and four, it, it it's just not looked good. Um, so. I want to I want to pay attention to that UF run offense. Travis or excuse me, Trevor Etienne versus the Vols defense is going to be interesting for me. I Tennessee can put up points, man. And I'll tell you what, Hendon Hooker has done a damn good job of leading this offense. Almost yep. 70% completion percentage on his throws this year. Six touchdowns, zero interceptions. He's not turning the ball over, which is huge. Um and then on the other side, you have Anthony Richardson, zero passing touchdowns to four interceptions anthony richardson has four tackles this year four tackles four more (laughs) tackles than he has passing touchdowns so that's just obviously not a good recipe for winning football games uf's defense last on third down in the sec they are allowing opponents to convert at an unruly rate that's got to change, and I don't see it happening in Neyland. Everyone's back in the balls. Game day's there. 100,000-plus drunk volunteer fans. I see this one getting out of hand rather easily. The only way I see Florida hanging around in this one is if Tennessee starts shooting themselves in the foot. Penalties, turnovers, costly mistakes, and Hendon Hooker somehow looks worse than Anthony Richardson, but I, I don't see that happening. So I'm, I'm rolling with the balls as well. 10 is not enough for me. Yeah, I definitely see why you think uh, Anthony Richardson could be banged up. That's what happens to quarterbacks when they have to rely on running the ball. He's And not, not only that, but their offensive line is not helping them out very much at all either. Uh, he's taking a lot of hits, and quarterbacks aren't linebackers. They're not running – backs they're they're not made for taking those types of hits um so florida they got to be able to protect their quarterback if you're gonna have this kind of quarterback play you got to do all you can to set him up for success at the very least and they have not been able to do that yet i agree let's uh let's look for something a little bit better than uh hot dog water from uh mr richardson this week so um (laughs) Let's move on. Our fourth game, you have the number 15-ranked Oregon Ducks. They have moved up drastically after a week one drubbing against Georgia. Last two weeks, they're outscoring opponents 111-34. to Absolutely dominant. Going on the road against a very sneaky, undermatched um, – undermatched is not the right word. Um, underrated is what I was looking for. 3-0 and Washington State Cougars. And Washington State, although they're at home, they are the underdog. Oregon favored by six and a half, um, so just less than a touchdown here. Four o'clock kickoff on the Fox Sports Network. So uh, what do you want to touch on here? I think this is a sneaky good game. 
Dude, I love that word from you. Uh, it is a sneaky good game. And the reason I love that so much is because I don't know if we have some kind of telepathy, but I literally have written down on paper in my notes that this is a sneaky good game, dude. So that's kind of bizarre. You touched on it. I touched on it earlier. Horgan's looking a lot better, dude. They're able to score points. Dan Lanning's doing something with that defense, helping them out. Uh, but Washington State has had really good quarterback play from quarterback Cameron Ward. He's he's freaking good, dude. That's a name to watch out for, no doubt. Washington State's only allowing less than 12 points per game at this point. Uh, excuse me, less than 13. They're right at about 12.7 points per game. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's a good defense. Um I really think this is just one where Oregon just puts up way too many points and it, it's it's just going to be tough for Washington State to keep up with them. Their defense is going to keep them out of the red zone a little bit, but um, huh. I look for Bo Nix to, to lead this Oregon team and uh, to limit his turnovers, limit his mistakes. He's been playing a lot better. He's got plenty of time in the pocket now. Uh, with a less elite defense coming after him. So Washington isn't that far of a of a trip for Oregon geographically. Um, it's it's not, not as daunting as having to fly to Atlanta. Uh, so I, I'm gonna give this one to the Ducks. Interested to see what their uh uniform selection is for this game. Um, as it's always different, but. Yeah, Oregon by a touchdown, that, that's an easy cover for me. Okay, I'm not as confident. Um, I I would like to see some maybe the icy white, like the all-white combos on the road here would be pretty sick for Oregon. Um, you touched on it, Washington State's defense, allowing only 38 points through three games. That defense is good, man. And on the other side of the ball, they love to run that air raid offense. They love to spread it out with lots of receivers you know, get their guys in space, throw the ball around a lot. And they've got some good weapons, Cam Ward, Donovan Ali. Um, you know, there's some guys that they'll be able to get the ball to. Um, this one is tough for me because something's telling me that Washington State at home here is going to have some juice. Um, I think they might throw the first punch. If Oregon's down early, that could really, really um, be not great news, especially we know how Bo Nix can play from behind. It's usually not great. Um, but the last few weeks, he's looked good. And like I said, I'm learning. I, I said it after the game, but I'm, I'm learning more and more that that first week loss to Georgia was more about how freaking good Georgia is and how Oregon is, you know, probably just in a tier just below them. But the gap between those tiers is so large that that's why you saw that result. Obviously, head coach Dan Lanning has had a little more time um, to get with his guys and develop some chemistry. And I think they've got, he's got them playing well together. Their defense has got some studs. We've touched on them in previous podcasts. Um, it's going to be a close game. Oh, man, something's telling me to take the Cougs. I'd also like to caution people on judging a team from uh, any week one performance. Uh, it's just tough, dude. Week one, you don't know enough about your team. Uh, you haven't got to play an opponent that's not wearing the same color jerseys uh, that you wear. So 
don't put too much stock in their in their loss to Georgia as far as Oregon goes. It, it it's tough to judge a team based off of any one game, but especially a week one game where you're just kind of figuring out who you are as a football team, also. Yeah, I, I agree wholeheartedly. I'm actually going to ride with you on this one. I'm picking the Ducks to win this game by a touchdown or more. Not extremely confident with that pick, but uh, like I said for this other game, I would much rather be on the Oregon side here and backing them and them lose than take Washington State um, and they somehow cover this game. But um, I definitely think it could be a close game for the majority of those four quarters. So it'll be interesting to watch that one in the afternoon on Saturday. Um, let's move to our nightcap, our night slate. We've got two really good games, one in the SEC, one out in the Pac-12 after dark. So that one will be interesting. Let's first touch on the number 10 ranked team in the country, Arkansas Razorbacks, 3-0 and to start their season, going on the road against the Texas A&M team, picked up a huge win last week against Miami. They are ranked now number 23, this game is being played in Arlington, Texas at Jerry's World where the Cowboys play. Um, so neutral side, I guess. Um, you, you'll see a, a good number of Texas A&M fans, but there will be plenty of Arkansas fans there as well. 7 o'clock on ESPN. Is this where Texas A&M kind of shows that, all right, we are actually here. Last week wasn't a fluke. We're a good team. Or does Arkansas continue this momentum? Do they kind of take – hold of that second place spot in the SEC West right behind Alabama. Yeah, exactly. I think this is more of a Arkansas proves that they're one of the best uh, teams in the SEC, maybe the best in the West. Who knows? Um, that that would be a pretty bold prediction. I'm not too keen to go that far just yet. Uh, but Arkansas has what it takes. I'm still not impressed with Texas A&M. I'll give you the win versus Miami, but I'm not impressed. I still got a lot more to see uh, from the Aggies on that point where I've seen all I need to see from Arkansas, dude. They, they are just as good, probably better than they were last year, which was a really good Arkansas team last year uh, that owned the state of Texas. And I, I think they have a chance to do it again. Obviously, they don't play uh, tech the University of Texas this year, but Arkansas, dude, they have what it takes. They have a really solid defense that I think can pretty much contain Texas A&M's offense. There's nothing that I've seen from Texas A&M's offense that says that uh, they can out outscore and put up a lot of points on Arkansas's defense. And uh, Arkansas has got the playmakers, man. Uh, Jaden, Jadon, however you want to pronounce it, Hazelwood, uh, the transfer from Oklahoma. Uh, he's looking really good. They've got great quarterback play right now. They can run the ball. I think this is a very well-rounded game for Arkansas. And we we were touching on this uh, before we were recording off the podcast. This is kind of the most uh, bizarre spread for me, at least. I don't see how Texas A&M is favored. Even, especially because it's not technically a home game. Yeah, home state, I get it. Arkansas is not that far to travel. Um, I'm honestly kind of shocked. Maybe Vegas knows something that I don't know, and that's why Texas A&M gets the nod on the spread here. But I've got Arkansas easily covering this. Yeah, that's what that's what bothers me too, man, because we 
we keep coming back to it. It's like these Vegas spreads are not just random numbers thrown next to these teams. Like they're guys that do research beyond research in order to come up with these spreads and they do it so that they don't lose money. It's not, you know, just some random number being tossed up there. So that's why when I'm expecting tech, I'm expecting um, Texas A&M to be the underdog in this game. And I see them as a slight favorite that gives me pause. You know, I, I, like you said, not impressed with Texas A&M's offense. Max Johnson may be an upgrade over Hayden's King, but I haven't seen anything out of him yet that scares me. Um, you touched on the running back A-chain. He's a stud. They've got to be able to feed him. But if Arkansas gets a lead early, then you're asking Max Johnson to come back and win you this game. And that's where this could get very tough because Arkansas can run the ball. Like you said, running back Sanders, quarterback Jefferson, they've got weapons on the outside. Can Texas A&M's defense step up long enough to silence that run game and make this an even game? No. But their defense has played good. It's not their defense I'm worried about. So no. there, there's a very real scenario here for me where Texas A&M is able to stifle that run game for Arkansas, at least slow it down. And then you're forcing K.J. Jefferson to be a quarterback, and he hasn't proven that he can't do that. But is he elite enough to do that against a good Texas A&M defense? This spread really kills me, man. If it was Arkansas favored by two – uh, I would be, you know, much more likely to feel good about that. But for some reason, with Vegas siding with the Aggies here, I want to take them. This is a tough call, man. Should we should we flip another? <laughs> no, you should take the Aggies. I'm trying to have a better record than you by the end of the year. <laughs> we are we are only uh, different on one pick. Um, I can't do it. I can't do it. I got to take the Razorbacks. I just, I just like what I've seen from them more so far. I, I picked them to be better than Texas A&M heading into this season. I thought they were the second-ranked team in the SEC West. So for me to take Texas A&M over them now, after Arkansas looking like the better team through three weeks, I think would just be silly. So um, against my better judgment, I'm going to take Arkansas. But uh, if Texas A&M wins this one, I won't be shocked either. Let's move on to our last game, the sixth and final pick of our Saturday six. We have a Pac-12 after dark showdown, and you know what that means. That means chaos will ensue, and that's why I'm really excited for this matchup because we have a team that we haven't talked a lot about and that is highly ranked and that a lot of people are very high on. Obviously, we're talking about the number seven ranked team in the country, the USC Trojans, 3-0 and to start the season. On the road, though, against a feisty Oregon State Beaver team, they're also 3-0 and and six-and-a-half-point underdogs at home. So 9.30, catch this one on the Pac-12 network or, or probably some ESPN Plus um, stream somewhere. But um, one interesting note I found from this game, both teams have already played Fresno State, so that's a common opponent. And USC had a huge win while Oregon State struggled. So I don't know how much you want to read into that, but um, just just an interesting note I found. I'll let you kick it off and uh, give your pick for Trojans Beavers. Yeah, it, this is an exciting game. If you can stay awake long enough to watch it, um, I was able to watch a little bit of the After Dark games because I took a fat nap last week uh, in the middle of the day. 
Uh, he was trying uh, to sleep through that uh, Penn State-Auburn the... game because <laughs> Auburn was getting dragged and he picked them to win. Yeah, we'll blame that one on the IPAs too. It's okay. <laughs> um, the Trojans are averaging five more points per game and allowing six less points per game on defense uh, comparatively to this Oregon State. But both teams have showed absolutely nothing, and I mean zero, running the ball. And I get it. These Pac-12 teams, that's not what they're known for. They're, they're not uh, – this isn't a Reggie Bush-led USC team where uh, they're going to be putting up ridiculous, you know, running stats. Uh, but Oregon State, dude, they've played nobody. It's so hard to get a gauge on them, I feel like, because their schedule to this point is – I mean, it, it's just weak, dude. Like, I don't want to put a lot of – a lot of stock into the is USC's Reno, any better State team is USC schedule any better uh no it, no it that's the thing dude it, it's so hard to get a gauge on it's these the teams. pac-12 yeah right but everything that I've seen from USC for the most part I've liked as far as their offense goes They've got Caleb Williams. He's going to be the Heisman if it's not Stetson Bennett, uh, which is my hope. But mailman Caleb baby. Williams has a has a he's got a real legit chance at this man. Um, yeah. He he commands this offense better than probably any other quarterback in the nation right now. USC's hot number seven. Look for them to keep their momentum rolling. It is going to be a, a tough away game for them. Um, which is why I can see them coming out a little bit slow. Uh, but ultimately, Lincoln Riley, the Trojans, cue the uh, Trojan man sound bit once again. Trojan uh, man. Yeah, I'll take them by a touchdown. I'm not feeling the best about it, but I'll take them by a touchdown. Okay, I am feeling an upset here. We know it. We know it. Pac-12 after dark is always going to produce – a crazy game in September. It happens every single year. If it's not one, it's two or three. Um, I talked about Oregon State um, not playing well against Fresno State. USC did well. But uh, Oregon State's actually 3-0 and against the spread so far this year. Their offense looks pretty damn good. Um, the over-under for this game set at 71. So I see a shootout coming. Um, I think this is a high-scoring game. I think both of these offenses are running up and down the field. I think this is very likely a last team with the ball type of game. And for that reason, I'm actually going to pick Oregon State to cover. I don't know if they have enough to pull it out outright, but I would not be shocked if they do it. I think we've seen a few top 10 teams go down already this season. I think USC is suspect on defense. So other than Solomon Bird and Shane Lee, who have played well for them so far, I think it's going to be a tough game for the Trojans on the road. Like we said, I like them to win, but I see this being closer than six and a half. And I might even take the Beavers for an out, outright win. I'm actually taking both Oregon schools to win this week. So we're heavy Oregon this week. Um, but uh, dude, if we have another top 10 team lose this week, this season is going to be absolute chaos. Mark it down now. I called it first. Oregon State pulling it off, baby. I'm going to take them. 
But uh, that'll wrap it up for our Saturday Six podcast. Hey, guys, if you've listened this far in, that means that you like the podcast. All right? You like it. Accept it. All right? You're here, and we appreciate it. But please, please give us a follow on Instagram if you're not following us already. Um, interact with our posts. Um, you know, that, that screws the algorithm up and, and gets us out there to more knuckleheads to listen to the podcast. So um, also rate it. If you listen on Spotify, if you listen on Apple Podcasts, give us a rating, five stars preferably. Um, but if you think we got some improving to do, I'll accept four. Nothing less than four, though, please. Um, but uh, yeah, give guys. AJ four stars. Give me five. Yeah, yeah. Hey, the four stars uh, sometimes end up being better than the five stars. <laughs> but um, yeah, please, uh, please give us a rating. Please give us a follow so you can uh, turn on some notifications and get notifications every Thursday night when these drop. Um, but yeah, we'll uh, let's recap real quick. We both took Clemson on the road against Wake. I took Iowa State at home against Baylor. You're riding with the Baylor Bears. Both of us like Tennessee to cover 10 at home against Florida. We're both taking the Oregon Ducks on the road against Washington State. And both of us taking Arkansas in that showdown against Texas A&M in Jerry's world. And we are divided here. You like the Trojans to keep it rolling. I'm picking the Beavers for a big upset this week in Corvallis. So uh, that's it for us this week. Any final thoughts from you? Yeah, one last thing. Bring you a little bit of news around the college football world if you missed it. Nebraska fires head coach uh, Scott Frost. A couple guys that are looking at it. I think the front runner right now is uh, possibly Iowa State head coach Matt Campbell. Uh, he's being tabbed as the primary target in their coaching search. So as soon as we get more word on that, it might not be – Till the end of the year, they might just stick with their interim head coach right now. But as soon as we get more, we'll bring that uh, to you, try to bring you a little bit of news around the college football world as well, not just our picks for the Saturday Six. Absolutely. Nebraska's got deep pockets, dude. They've got some donors there that are willing to shell out big cash. So uh, do not be surprised if they name a uh, a big fish as their next, next head coach. So um, thanks for that update. We'll catch you guys next week. See ya.